It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The winter meetings are underway. No news yet. Hopefully there's some coming. Uh, we'll dig into some trade talks, though, where we're going to pitch, pun intended, some deals that we like. Also, who's the Reds MVP? Who's the pitcher of the year? The team awards have been announced. Did the Reds get it right? We'll tell you on today's Locked on Reds. You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are locked on Reds. Welcome in and how you doing? My name is Jeff Carr. He is Steve Offenbaker and we are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to talk some Reds with us. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Coming up on today's podcast, the Cincinnati Reds have been rumored to be in on trade talks for multiple high-level pitchers. Which one's the best? And not necessarily just talking about the best player, but the best trade that the Reds could make. We'll also look at the Reds Fest Awards, the awards that were handed out by the local writers for the Reds. And uh, did they get them right? We're going to talk about that coming up a little bit later on. Steve, this has been a very quiet winter meetings to start. The Reds were rumored to be in on three big pitchers as far as trades go. Dylan Cease, Tyler Glass now, and Shane Bieber. And when you look at those three trades, I think it's very clear, at least to me, and I don't necessarily know what your take on this is, but to me it's clear, and I wrote about this over at InsideTheReds.com, which, by the way, you should bookmark that site. Steve writes for it. I write for it. We talk about the Reds in written form over there. We talk about them in vocal form here. Shane Bieber's the best trade when it comes to the value that he would bring and the cost it would take to get him. Do you agree? I, I think that's pretty close. When, if, looking at those three names, if we're talking about Glasnow, if we're talking about Bieber, if we're talking about Cease, uh, I think I would rank them uh, Bieber, Cease, Glasnow, just because I have some serious questions about Glasnow's durability. Mm-hmm. For, for an entire season. Um, I, I'm starting to come around on this. Having had you badger me now for weeks about trading for a starting pitcher, uh, I, I have relaxed my my opposition as far as dealing away prospect capital. Um, there are some guys now that I've, I've, I've combed back through the minor leagues. I've, I've looked at potential trade pieces. Uh, you and I have worn out the, the trade machine over there online. And, you know, where it lands is there are guys I'm willing to part with in the Reds minor league system. The real question is, does this market value that, my goodness, between what it costs to trade for a guy right now in, in prospect capital and what it looks like it's going to take to sign guys with just spending some of Bob's cabbage, um, nothing is cheap. There is there are, no, there are no corners to cut, and that's really what has turned me around a little bit because if they go spend $25 million a year on a starter for five years, great, cool. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate right. you. 
Um, but if they have to trade Rhett Lauder or if they have to trade Chase Petty or if they have to trade Edwin Arroyo, they have to trade Jonathan India. Those are all names I'm okay with if we get a, a stabilizing starting pitcher back in the deal uh, because those guys haven't done anything for us yet. They may not do anything for us this year. They may do may not do anything for the Reds ever. So I, I'm getting to the point where I'm okay with the deal, Jeff, but it can't be the deal for the sake of a deal. It's got to be somebody that is that stabilizing force in the rotation. Are those guys forces? That might be a stretch, but I think in the case of Bieber and Cease, they're both stabilizing. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's important for what this rotation went through last year. Well, and I think that Cease is a force. I think that if you're ranking them as far as talent goes and as far as everything that you want the Reds to have, talent, durability, all this other stuff, Dylan Cease checks every single box. But because of that, and, as, and, and including the box of multiple years of arbitration left, that is, you know, a very nice cost-controlled team control. But because of that, he is far and away the most expensive. I look at our friends over at baseballtradevalues.com as kind of the, the jumping off point to understand what a trade would look like for all three of these guys for, for, you know, one of the three of these guys, Shane Bieber, his value is just a little bit over 5 million is 5.6 million for his trade value. Tyler Glasnow, 12.8 million and Dylan cease 40.2 million. If that tells you the big gap there. So yes, you will get the best guy if you trade for Dylan Cease. You will also trade the most capital to get him. So when I look at this, I think the best mix, it's not just because Shane Bieber is the cheapest, but it's because he's done it before. There's a huge difference between Shane Bieber and Tyler Glasnow. Tyler Glasnow's rate stats jump out at you. His stuff jumps out at you. He has amazing stuff. He has an uh, insane strikeout to nine ratio, pretty decent walk per nine ratio, pretty decent ERA. He only just eclipsed the 20 start number this past year. Up until last year, he had never pitched more than 14 starts in a season. That's just not okay to me. And I feel like if you're going to give up what would amount to a Jonathan India for Tyler Glass now trade, because that's where baseball trade values has Jonathan India. I feel like that's too much to me. And if you're going to get a guy that's durable, that has had some health issues here in the most recent years, but we've seen it before and firmly believe that there's still plenty of years left in his career that we can see it again. You got to go for Shane Bieber. Because looking at the trade machine and kind of something that I put together over baseball trade values, this is the trade that you would have to give up to get Shane Bieber. Because we talk about all these names, talk about all the names you'd have to get up to give up to get uh, Dylan Cease, to get Tyler Glasnow, all this other stuff. To get Shane Bieber, Steve, this is what I traded. I traded Ty Floyd, who was the Reds' competitive balance round A pick last year, the right handed pitcher, and Ariel Almonte. I had to look up exactly where he was in the Reds farm system to know who he is. He is an outfielder that is down in Daytona. That's it. That's who I had to trade to get Shane Bieber. Now, in real life, could be a little bit more, but is it going to be a lot more? Is it going to be just absolutely earth-shattering more? I don't think so. You're, you're probably right, uh, but it's going to take more than that. 
but you're yeah. you're right. It's not gonna take it's not gonna take what, what Dylan Cease is gonna take. Here's the thing with Dylan Cease versus Bieber. I think to get Dylan Cease, it would require sending somebody from the 26 man roster that we're not willing to send. Uh right. you and me. I, I think it would take it would take one of the rookies. It would take one of those guys on CBS, the active roster Noel right v. now. Yes, Noel V, you know, it would take one of those guys. That's a that's a hard stop for me. None of those guys should be considered in, in a trade package. I saw um, a Chicago blog that said Matt McLean in one deal. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, and that's, no. And that's the kind of unrealistic stuff. But I, I bet you that's also the things that some general managers are saying when Nick crawl gets on the phone with them. I I'm fine with Shane Bieber. Listen, I, I, I looking at him 2023 versus 2022, Jeff in 2022, 31 starts, a 2.88 ERA, 200 innings pitched uh, versus 2023, a 3.8 ERA and 128 innings pitch, a difference of 10 starts, uh, you know, so maybe a little fatigued. Maybe his arm didn't rebound as much as he would have liked. But he had elbow issues. And he had elbow issues. So for me, I I mean, you know, he could be a 25-start guy, 160, 170 innings pitched. I'm fine with that. And I'm willing, as I said there, when I rattled off those names, none of those guys that I rattled off are untradeable are the do not talk list. I mean, I know how excited everybody was about drafting Rhett louder, but he hasn't pitched for the reds and, and still may never, we don't know. I, I mean, we just don't know. So if we can get a, a bona fide major league pitcher that can stabilize a rotation, and we're talking about maybe sending louder India, and something, I'd do that deal in a heartbeat. Absolutely agree with you. And I, I know this, like with these rumors going around and the, the big question that everybody has is how do you even know that the Reds are still in on these rumors? Well, I did see John Morosi was reporting that on MLB Network just yesterday. And I know that the Reds were in on Sonny Gray while they were still talking to Nick Martinez. So it's not as if signing Nick Martinez is precluding them from going out and making another big move in the rotation. So I believe that this could still happen. And I believe that the best course of action, like Steve believes, is to go and get Shane Bieber. Plus, I think, you know, when you added Nick Martinez, you took the pressure off this having to be Dylan Cease. Like, I, I think if they didn't add a starting pitcher to this point, you we would be more on the Dylan Cease train and being like, you probably do have to give up some big stuff because you need that starting pitcher. Now, they don't necessarily have to go too crazy with this deal. And I think that Shane Bieber right in the wheelhouse, I've heard that his personality fits in perfectly with this team. There's no issues with that whatsoever. Go do that deal. And let's, let's roll into spring training with an amazing pitching staff. Yeah, I, I agree. I hope Nick crawl is just burning up other GM's cell phone batteries right now, trying to get something done. This, this team is up at this point, two moves away, in my opinion, from being uh, the contender to win the National League Central and make a strong playoff run. So that's how close they are. Uh, I look forward to see what he does because the Reds are going to make some moves this week, I think, and they're going to improve this team. All right, coming up, let's look back a little bit and talk about the team awards. Uh, Local Cincinnati writers, um, cast their votes. The awards were announced at Reds Fest, and we're going to take a look and ask the question, did they get it right? And you know how I feel about baseball writers and getting awards and votes right. So we're going to talk about that coming up in just a minute. Before I tell you about all that, I want to tell you about the sponsor of today's podcast, and that is Jace Medical. I know we all come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of real life. 
But can we talk just for a minute about preparing for real life? Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another interruption to the supply chain, you are covered, my friend, with Jace Medical. And we thank them very much for being one of our partners here at Locked On. Jace Medical provides life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications that can be ordered in a one-year supply. They've even got ED generics for Cialis and Viagra. Jace Medical has the Jace case. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, uh, among other things. Uh, This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than it is today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of the Locked On Network, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, Jeff, coming up on our next episode, I think we're going to continue to dig through the 26-man roster. We're going to kind of reset things a little bit. Uh, we got a lot going on this week with the winter meetings. I really hope that we're throwing all this out and we're talking about big news. Uh, That's kind of my hope. Nick Crawl, I'm waiting on you. I know you're listening. Just pull the trigger on something, man. We want to talk about it. But uh, let's get back to this team awards thing because, Jeff, as you know, I am not a fan of asking the baseball writers to vote on anything because they just never get it right in my estimation. But here we are again with them voting for the team awards for the Cincinnati Reds in 2023. And those awards were announced at Reds Fest. So let's start with one. I think that you and I both will agree on Uh, the team awards, obviously that we're talking about are the Joe Knoxaw good guy award, the Johnny Vandermeer pitching award, and then the team MVP awards escaping me, help me. It's named after Ernie Lombardi, Ernie Lombardi. Thank you very much. And the Ernie Lombardi team MVP award. So let's start with the good guy award. Um, there are several candidates for this thing. Uh, several players you could have gone with, uh, but they chose to make the Joe Nuxall good guy award winner for 2023. Your guy, TJ Friedel. 10 out of 10. No notes. See, <laughs> you know, no, no, it's, it's a TJ oh, no. awesome. I, I, I agree. TJ is awesome. I, I think honestly, I feel like this was a consolation prize because yes. of the way they voted on another award. Um, Which we'll I, get to. I, 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 I think there's probably a lot of guys you could have con- considered just as being community engaged, uh, being uh, a contributor to Cincinnati, being an all around good guy. Um, one guy that I think really should have been in consideration for this award didn't get consideration, I'm sure, because for the first time in his career, he's no longer a member of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the work that Joey Votto did around Cincinnati and the engagement with the fans and the the showing up at the Youth Academy unannounced time after time and hiding autographed merchandise around the city for scavenger hunts and just all of these things to give back to the fan base, to give back to the community. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this should be the Joey Votto good guy award. I'm just saying. 
he's the goodest of guys in, in, in my estimation. Uh, yes, no, I'm with you there. He, uh, there, there's a lot that Joey does that we're going to miss around Cincinnati. And I think that it's, it's probably because he wasn't on the roster. Like if he was here, he would have gotten that award. Um, but with him having moved on, I think they're like, all right, let's, let's pick a different player here. And TJ Friedel absolutely deserves it, but no, I'm with you. J- Joey's got the all-time argument there. It's, it's a low key kind of an all-time Joey award. So I think with him being gone, they're just like, okay, we have a chance to pick someone new. Let's pick someone new. Uh, so they ended up doing that, but I, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Let, let's start first though, with the ones that we got problems with because Alexis Diaz getting pitcher of the year feels right but but Andrew Abbott has something to say about that yeah just Andrew Abbott um look first of all everyone knows who Johnny Vandermeer is if you don't know who Johnny Vandermeer is go look it up fun story uh back-to-back no hitters probably never be done again ever ever never back-to-back no hitters and he allowed 20 walks in those two no hitters and 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 Little known fact, because people stop looking after the second no hitter. The third game in that his three in a row, he threw six no hit innings in the oh. third game before before giving up a hit. So Johnny Vandermeer, go check him out. Uh, Alexis Diaz as the pitcher of the year. Okay, maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know. I I, I feel hardest, like the hardest picking a relief pitcher over a start. Yeah, yeah. Not even that for me. Um, the most valuable pitcher on this team was Andrew Abbott. When this team had a rotation in shambles, when this team couldn't figure out if maybe you or I were going to start a game in 2023, there was Andrew Abbott, a stabilizing, effective, sometimes completely unhittable force, uh, a, a series resetter, a momentum changer, a guy that time and time again kept the Reds hopes to be able to reach out and touch that playoff spot alive, that was Andrew Abbott. Not taking away anything from Alexis Diaz. He just kind of went out and did his job for the most part. That's he didn't, it wasn't anything special. He did what he was expected to do. He was the closer. He was the guy that's supposed to be pitching the ninth inning and, and ending up the game. He did that. He did it well. Thanks. That that's not the, the most valuable con- contribution to this Reds pitching staff in 2023. To say that it's not anything special is a little dismissive. I mean, he was really good at striking people out, but he wasn't perfect, I think, is is what we're looking for here is the word, because he definitely had his warts. I mean, he had a pretty bad walk rate, 12.5%. That's got to come down next year. He did not keep the ball on the ground. He allowed a lot of fly balls, got lucky with his homer to fly ball ratio. And the stat that we talk about a lot when relief pitchers come into play, inherited runners. No. Reds relief pitcher had a higher inherited runner scoring percentage than Alexis Diaz. 41% of the runners he inherited scored. And he didn't he did not inherit. That's the other the other thing that you might think, well, he probably inherited the most runners, didn't he? No, it wasn't even close, actually. Um, I think Ian Jabot had like 10 more. I think Lucas Sims and Buck Farmer had more. So there there, there were situations where a relief pitcher was needed. And he came in and did the job well, really, if, and I I think for me, I'm probably the, the quintessential Alexis Diaz fan where I stopped evaluating him after July because 
up until July, he was perfect. Through like August and September, it was kind of like, ooh, okay, a little bit more questionable. And that's why he ended with a 307 ERA. That's why he ended with a 12 and a half walk rate. That's why he did not have he he was three saves away from 40 saves. I, I said last year's a bull prediction he would get 40 saves. And I'm pretty sure he entered the month of August with like 35 saves or maybe it was 33, but it was, it was like to the point where I'm just like, geez, my bold prediction is going to look pretty pedestrian. And then he only ended up with 37 saves. So there's part of that, that the team just stopped hitting as much and they didn't have as many save situations for him. But again, to your point, if that is when he is pitching, then that is kind of limiting his value to this team. And when you look at what Andrew Abbott was able to do, and the hardest part for me about picking the best pitcher is relief pitcher against starting pitcher because relief pitchers pitch more often. Starting pitchers throw more innings. And those more innings, especially from Abbott, especially at the time that he came up, and especially at the time when he was at his best, the Reds absolutely needed anything at all from a starting pitcher. And he gave them everything he had, and he pitched so well doing it. And in a, in a year where we expected him to come up, but did not expect him to do what he did. It was just so phenomenal to me. And I do think that he, uh, he deserved more consideration of this award than Alexis Diaz did. I'm not necessarily as strongly feeling about it as you are, but I think I do agree. with you. No, it's, it's a no brainer for me. Listen, Andrew Abbott was good for 2.7 war. Uh, as a starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds in the train wreck rotation of 2023. Uh, that's the starting point that we got to look at. Three, 3.87 ERA, 21 games started, 109.1 innings pitched. His mm -hmm. walks per nine, a little high at 3.6. I'd like to see him get that under three heading into next season. Strikeouts per nine, we're right at 10 uh, per nine innings. I'll accept that. If he can improve on that even a little bit, get it up to average of 12. That would be great. Uh, but we're talking about a guy who came out of nowhere. We're talking about a pitcher that when you and I were sitting around in February of last season, uh, surmising what this rotation might look like, we didn't have Andrew Abbott as a force, as a stabilizer. I think we uh, mentioned him as like a deep dark horse. Yeah, a deep <laughs> dark horse. Correct. So for me, that 2.7 war, that ability to come out of nowhere and really keep this team alive for a good portion of the summer uh, whenever he took the mound. The fact that he was just a rookie, all of those things for, make him the pitcher of the year for me. It's why I keep saying that I think he deserves to be the 2024 opening day starter. I think you reward that performance mm -hmm. with that honor uh, and recognize it as such. And if Hunter wants to be the opening day starter moving forward, he needs to pitch better. That's how I feel about it. I think that Andrew Abbott was the best pitcher on this staff, starter, reliever, doesn't matter. Andrew Abbott's the man. You hear that, Hunter? He's calling you out. It's uh, Steve Offenbaker, care of what's your address in Hawaii? Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> no, but we agree on that. We agree on the best pitcher. We don't agree on the team MVP. That is what we will discuss coming up next. Before we do that, though, wanted to let you know that in between episodes, you can keep following us. We mentioned InsideTheReds.com. Highly recommend you go bookmark that in in on top of us, there are James Rapine and Rick Uccino and Austin Elmore that are also writing there and, and doing a great job inside the reds.com. Great resource for your reds content. In addition, yeah. 
to in addition to us. Oh, get your mind out of the gutter. What do you think I'm talking about? Ay, ay, ay. Um, also, you can follow us on Twitter. You follow maybe you don't want to follow Steve on Twitter and actually he's got his <laughs> mind in the gutter, uh, but you can at S Offenbaker with two F's. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's, and you can follow the Lockdown Reds. There's no F's in that. And join us on Discord, Lockdown Reds Discord page. Talking Reds all year long. All right, so the thing for me, and I, I get it. I understand I'm in the minority here, but I really feel like TJ Friedel was snubbed. Spencer Steer did his thing where he played all the different positions, would have pitched if they asked him, would have caught if they asked him, all that other stuff, would have played center field. I understand that, and I love that. I, that, that is a, a very admirable trait. He was bad defensively. Just because you play multiple positions does not mean that you get a pass for that. He was great at the plate, but his 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 leading the team in homers, RBIs, doubles, and hits, and all that stuff is very impressive. The fact, though, that TJ Friedel was only five homers behind him and he had 100 less plate appearances leads me to believe that if he had those 100 more plate appearances, he'd have had more homers, he'd have had more doubles, he'd have had more hits. He was only 20 hits behind Spencer Steer in 100 plate appearances less he had a better batting average he actually had a better slugging percentage and of course he was faster on the base pass spencer steer had 15 steals tj friedel had 27 i think that tj friedel deserved to be the reds mvp and that's before we even get into my argument about wins probability added because i think that that should be considered and i understand that this is not a statistic that is very mainstream that it's not very widely known maybe not even necessarily widely accepted but the explanation of it is the influences that one batter had on the ability of an average team it's not even about the team that he's on about an average team if you add this player onto that team how many more wins does he add to that team he added 3.9 wins where spencer steer added 0.4 and i believe that that, along with the other stuff, should mean that TJ Friedel is the MVP of this team. I'm going to give you that there's more of an argument here than there is than, say, pitcher of the year. But looking at this, there's a couple things to consider. Uh, number one, you look at your statistics that you want to use and that big gap there that you just named. Uh, I'm sure that that takes into account the defensive contributions and everybody wants to knock Spencer steer for being terrible defensively. He was not terrible defensively. He wasn't overly great. Um, he had some bad routes in the outfield. There were times he could have been better, but again, the day that he started playing outfield for the reds, we all, you all listening, me, Jeff, Spencer steer all had the same number of starts in the outfield that day. So for him to be having been willing to step up and, and fill that void and make room on the infield and keep his bat in the lineup was valuable to this team. Was it more valuable than the center fielder playing a good center field? Was it more valuable than the center fielder being a good center fielder? I don't know. Here's what I also think. I think the writers get to spend a lot of time in the clubhouse. The writers get to see a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that we don't get to see. And I suspect 
having heard people talk about Spencer Steer last season, having heard things that Spencer Steer said in casual conversation when he wasn't, you know, answering a direct question. I suspect that Spencer Steer has started to adopt the Joey Votto quiet leader behind the scenes role, which also I think makes him valuable. And is that something that the writers factored in? I don't know, but I suspect that it is. I think that, I think that that may have played a part in this. When you look at just the cursory offensive statistics on the surface, yes, TJ Friedel was worth uh, more war. He was one war better than Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer was 1% better uh, in OPS plus this I think taking all of the factors into account, not doing deep dives on statistics we don't normally use. I say this could have been a coin flip. It's a lot closer than any of the other awards. It would have been hard for me to to look at it, but at the end of the day, I think I would have gone with Spencer Steer. Uh, I think that he's going to be the quiet, studying leader on this team, whereas Matt McClain will be the more vocal one. Um, I I like this pick. the writers got one right, Jeff. I think, and I think too. I, I've heard some reports uh, from players that he's kind of the 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 team clown, as it were. Like he'll like pull pranks on people and stuff like that. So that's kind of fun. Um, but when I, I don't know. Like I just I look at this and I I say now outside of the on base ability, which Spencer Steer has a very elite on base ability, and I think that that's something that will remain with him like if even if he goes through a bit of a slump where the the hits that he's trying to put into play just don't fall he's still going to get on base about 36 percent of the time and that is super valuable to this team that's going to have a lot of guys that go through uh peaks and valleys when it comes to hitting sorry nick that just happens in baseball uh but when it comes to everything else and also Maybe part of this is me just arguing on behalf of TJ Friedel because, and it's not like he asked me to do this. I don't know TJ personally, but I think this is the best year that we will ever get out of TJ Friedel. So I think if he was going to get team MVP, it's going to be this year. Aside from the the other fact that now you're going to have 162 games, hopefully of Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, CES, the candidates for team MVP this next year are, uh, there's just going to be so many of them that this was the year that if TJ was going to win it, this was going to be his year. Spencer Steer still got a few years to win it because I think that his power will only continue to grow. And I think that what we saw from TJ is probably his ceiling for the year. So I definitely admit that because looking at what Spencer Steer has done ever since he was called up, we were super bullish his first month in the majors uh, of 2022, September of 2022 of his, his plate discipline. And we saw that translating into what became what he did last season. And I think that this is who he is. And I don't foresee his floor being much lower than what he has shown us. Like I think, and the worst of times he might hit 260 instead of 270, but he's always going to be on base about 35, 36% of the time. And he's probably going to slug around 450, 460. He's going to be that steadying force in the lineup. So I definitely, I don't want it to make it seem like I've got a huge problem with Spencer Steer winning. I just, I just see TJ Friedel having the better year of the two. And I also don't see TJ Friedel having a much better year than he had. You know, it'll be interesting, Jeff. And I know we'll dedicate some shows to this in the remainder of the off season because the Reds are banking on TJ Friedel being that guy again. Mm -hmm. 
And that's an interesting topic. It's, it's a really interesting topic that we're going to spend a lot of time on, uh, but not today because we're out of time. And that is where we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Thanks so much for making Locked on Reg your first listen of the day. Don't forget, coming up, we've got you covered all through the winter meetings the rest of the week. If there's big breaking news, if something goes down, if the Reds make a move, we're going to jump in. We'll have some shorts on the YouTube feed. We will do a live uh, to break it down and get you up to the minute information about what the old Red Legs are doing. All right, Jeffrey, get us out of here. Thanks, Steve. You can count on us to be locked on Reds every single day. Really can't wait to breathe out of my nose. It's going to make these a lot easier. It's going to make them sound a lot. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.